So if you're interested in um, writing and playing music like that, I suggest you buy one of those kinds of hats that Jeremy was wearing. <laughs> Start there. Start there. Pray with me. I've got some people on my heart today that need healing. and uh, They're part of our church. Would you bow your heads with me, Lord Jesus, and pray for Jose. Sanchez right now, touch his body, strengthen him, heal him, show him your power. Lord, we pray for our locust pastor's father, Jim, as he's continuing to uh, battle a sickness, touch his body as well, strengthen him in the name of Jesus. Lord, for Tanya, strengthen her, help her God to recover quickly. For Kevin, Lord, I pray you touch him and uh, strengthen his body, help him to quickly recover, get back to the work of the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. And no, not all of them have COVID. There are other sicknesses out there, amen? <laughs> I mean, in my heart, COVID's like a cuss word almost. I just don't even want to say it anymore. Are you, anybody else feel that way? Like, come on. All right, check it out. We're going to talk about David. I'm not tag teaming with anybody today. And I'm excited about this message. We've already talked in the line of David to catch you up. If, you, if this is your first time with us, this series, Line of David, talks about uh, King David in Israel, the most famous king in Israel. And of course, in David's life, we see a lot of foreshadowing and a lot of pictures and a lot of um, what we would consider stories that kind of point to Jesus all the way through because Jesus is born in the line of David. And so that's why our sermon series is From Forgotten to Forever. The first message in the line of David was all about how David had been forgotten by his own family, had been left in the field just to watch over sheep because that's all he was good for. Which, by the way, watching over sheep may sound like a cute job for some of you, but it was the lowliest of jobs in those times. And so David was forgotten, but God did not forget David. God sent a prophet to pass by everybody else that should have gotten the job and to find David in the field. Friend, I want to remind you that no matter where you are, God knows exactly where you are. You may feel like everybody around you forgotten about you. But the Lord knows. So we find ourselves today, this story progresses. David moves on from this anointing from the prophet Samuel. He is anointed to be king, and yet it doesn't become king right away. Sometimes God promises something, or he does something in our life, or he speaks into our life. We have a dream or a vision that this is what I'm called to do. Yet we find ourselves waiting for the outcome of said vision. Let me remind you of two things. Number one, the fruit of the, one of the fruit of the Spirit is patience. I don't like that one. But God knows we need it. Amen? Because without patience, we get restless. And when we get restless, we force things that should not be happening at that moment. Then we find David going out there and fighting a battle that the entire army of Israel cowered Intense and behind the enemy lines. They did not want to fight the giant Goliath, but David, a shepherd boy, 
went out and fought and won against Goliath. Now we find ourselves talking about King David, who is now on the run. That's right, on the run. Anointed by God, a giant slayer, and yet on the run from his own king, King Saul, who still had the throne. You see, when King Saul disobeyed God, the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God left Saul. And then when David was anointed, it says that the Spirit of God was now upon David from that time forward. So let me tell you something. What God has spoken into your life cannot be revoked. But there will be people around you that may attack you. Jesus warned us that we would be persecuted and go through, go through trials. And I don't know this, but I, even as sharing that in my spirit, in this story we find David hiding in a cave. How many of you guys know a nation that has a whole lot of caves. It's called Afghanistan. And I imagine that not long ago, less than a week really, as the churches were free to meet and minister and now under Taliban control, all of that is being shut down, but not just shut down. They're killing them. But, but, but I wonder about the people that saw revival in the land in their spirit when things opened up. And now they find themselves hiding again in worship. Did you know the fastest growing churches in all of the world are the most persecuted? North Korea, China, and now Afghanistan. You know what I see? I see revival coming in Afghanistan in the face of persecution. You see, the devil's stupid. He killed Jesus and thought he'd won. <laughs> but three days later, aha, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the Taliban in control. <laughs> revival is in the land of Afghanistan. I believe in Jesus' name. Revival is coming. I believe people that have been fooled for years by this Muslim Islam God are now going to see people dying for Jesus and finally wake up. Because this life is not about this life. This life is about eternity. Amen. Do, do you trust God enough? I do. I trust God enough to disrupt the system to save millions of people for eternity. Amen? We get so upset and so disheartened with inconveniences. I do too. I get frustrated. You know, be preaching before COVID, a lot of times you would say, the American church doesn't know what it's like to have persecution and this and that and the other. But now we can point at COVID and say, remember when they shut us down? Ah! Right? We were persecuted for like four weeks. <laughs> at least that's how long it lasted here at Greater Life. 
But my goodness, we have, no, we have not even tasted persecution. King David was being persecuted even though he was anointed. I watched a testimony recently of one of our newer church families. and The prayer of this individual was, God, take me out of this situation I'm in. Save me from this. And yet, for whatever reason, God didn't do just that. He, he protected this person in the middle of a bad situation. So sometimes our prayer is, God, protect me from any pain or suffering of any kind. Did you know there was one other that prayed that prayer? His name is Jesus. And he said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass by me. But not my will, but yours be done. So it's, it's nothing wrong with praying, God, protect me. But we've got to trust the Father in heaven to accomplish his purposes upon the earth. Amen? Pastor, I thought today was about King David. All right, I'll get to it. <laughs> David was on the run from Saul. He was anointed to be king, yet not appointed as of yet. David was not running due to fear. Listen. He was running to be patient. He was running not to force something at the wrong time. He was allowing God truly to fight his battles. It was a battle for the hearts of the people, not one that could be won with a sword. You see, God had to do something in the lives and in the hearts of Israel for David to be the effective king that God had called him to be. And during this time while David was on the run, people were seeing King Saul for who he really was and beginning to see King David for who he would be. How you carry yourself when you're waiting, when you're hiding, and yes, even when you're on the run, is a testimony to you trusting God with the final result. As much as it is a testimony to faith that doesn't have to have it right now and doesn't need to take it by force right now. Friend, I don't know where you are in your life and I don't know what your circumstances is. Some of you I do, but before you think I'm writing this message according to your life, that's not, <laughs> maybe I am. <laughs> Just kidding. At the end of the day, if we trust God with the outcome, He always delivers. What a week we've had around here at Greater Life Church. Without getting into the weeds in it, there has been a spiritual battle on this property all week long. My goodness. And there are times where this preacher gets discouraged and calls his prayer team and says, why aren't y'all praying for me? Remember? <laughs> Do your job! Turns out they were. But at the end of the day, in the heat of battle, sometimes you can get disheartened and discouraged but I for one am reminded that my emotional condition should not be attached to God's faithfulness my emotions are mine 
to manage. Because I, have the, I need to tell myself again and again, I have the mind of Christ and the peace that passes understanding and the joy of the Lord is my strength. And no matter how I feel, God is still on the throne. Amen? I am, I am happy and pleased to announce that we won this week. And I'm happy and pleased to announce that we'll keep winning every single day in Jesus' name. Amen? I just felt like the battle had already been won, and then here we come into Sunday. But God is so faithful. You know, I'm reminded of David and how he ran at the giant, and it messed the giant up. He said, whoa, what is this little guy doing? <laughs> Guys, run at the enemy, knowing that you will slay. You will win every single time in Jesus' name. Amen? But be ready. The battle is the Lord's, but we're all soldiers in his army. Let's talk about King David. I've got a four-hour message. I promise to be done in three. Just kidding. When I woke up this morning, my sermon was half a page. Now it's only one page, so... <laughs> Number one on your note sheet. Number one on your note sheet. On the run. On the run, but never hungry. On the run, but never hungry. Hunger is not about food. Hunger, I believe in this story, is talking about bread. It's talking about provision. It's much bigger than food. When Jesus talked about the bread of life, he was not talking about that white wheat that you bought at the grocery store. How many of you guys buy white wheat because you're a little healthy, but you still like white bread? <laughs> Come on. I got you. I hear you. <laughs> How many weirdos don't eat bread? Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Jesus is the bread of life. What are you doing? <laughs> All of the parables about bread, I guess you don't get because you don't know how good bread is. <laughs> I get them. <laughs> Stop. Stop. <laughs> on the road, but, uh, on the run, but never hungry. 1 Samuel chapter 21. David went down to the town of Nob. I don't know why anybody would go to the town of Nob to see... Ahimelech, the priest, Ahimelech trembled when he saw him. Why are you alone, he asked. Why is no one with you? The king has sent me on a private matter, David said. Verse 2, he told me not to tell anyone why I'm here. I've told my men where to meet me later. Verse 3, now what is there to eat? Enough small talk. What are we eating? Give me five loaves of bread or anything else you have. We don't have any regular bread, the priest replied, but there is the holy bread which you can have if, you are young men, if your young men have not slept with any woman recently, speaking of purity. Verse 5, don't worry, David replied, I never allow my men to be with women when they are on a campaign, and since they stay clean even on ordinary trips, how much more so on this one? Verse 6, since there was no food uh, available, the priest gave him the holy bread. Say holy bread. The bread of the presence that was placed before the Lord in the tabernacle. It has just been replaced that day 
with fresh bread. Ooh, there's so much here to unpack. On the run, but never hungry. As David came into this new town, as he was on the run, he knew where he should go to get help. He knew where his source was, and his source was in the God of heaven, and the God of heaven's representative on earth was that priest. So he showed up at church when he was hungry. And the priest said, uh, we don't have any bread, but what? Holy bread. And you can't have it if you've been messing around. How many of you guys understand that you've got to prepare your heart when you come into the presence of the Lord in order to receive from God? He came in and found his source was from the Lord. God used the holy bread, not some regular means. I love this because to me this is a nod to the manna that the children of Israel found in the wilderness. When there was no bread, what did God do? Sent bread from heaven. Now we have David getting the holy bread to, to uh, sustain himself. He was on the run but never hungry because even though he was on the run by Saul, God knew exactly where he was. He was the blip on God's map and he could follow him. Like find your iPhone. How many of you guys use it? He could follow wherever David was going and provide for him along the way. All David had to do was maintain a relationship with the Father. You see, as soon as David went outside of the will of God and began, if he wanted to do his own thing, then guess what? When you begin to do your own thing, God allows you to do your own thing. <laughs> I'm going to go over here and do my own thing. God says, okay. Come on back when that don't work out. Right? God used the holy bread to bring provision. I think of the book of Psalms because we know that King David wrote a lot of the book of Psalms and a lot of it mirrored or told stories about his life. And in the book of Psalms, somebody needs to know this, that the holy bread is a principle of provision, that it is God and God alone who provides for your needs according to his riches and glory, not your job, not your effectiveness, not your giftedness. It is the God of heaven that provides for his people. And David wrote in Psalm 37, catch this, verse 22. Those the Lord blesses will possess the land, but those he curses will die. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. And though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Once I was young, and now I am old. Yet I have never, say never, seen the godly abandoned nor their children begging for bread. And I imagine as he wrote that, he pictured himself receiving the holy bread when he was on the run. The presence of the Holy Spirit rested on David as we read about the anointing in 1 Samuel 16, 13. This is a reminder for us that even now in his life while he was on the run that the presence of the Lord was with him. Psalm 34. 
Here we see David saying again, verse 17, the Lord hears his people when they call to him for, re for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. Aren't you thankful for that? The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous. Not one of them is broken. Aren't you thankful for God's protection in your life and mine? David was on the run, but he was never hungry. Number two, David was on the run, but never alone. Never alone. 1 Samuel 20, we see a story of a friendship of David and Jonathan. One of the greatest stories of friendship in all of Scripture. Jonathan and David were said to have loved one another. And they were deeply committed as friends. And Jonathan even saw the foolishness that his dad was doing and sided with David because that's where the anointing of God was with David. He helped him escape. He helped him get on the run. The power of a close friend is a very interesting bond. The scripture tells us that where uh, three bonds are bound together, they're not quickly broken it's a picture of marriage. It's a picture of friendship. Some of us may have friends like this that we don't see them for years, yet when we reconnect, it's like there was no time that passed. I used to have friends like that, but I hadn't talked to them in years. <laughs> when I reconnect with them, maybe it'll just be right. It always is. Isn't it? Anybody have a friend like that you hadn't talked to in a while, and then you pick it back up, and it's like no time has passed? I love how he was never alone, but I also love how the people that came to David <laughs> remind me of another story, 1 Samuel 22, 2. On the run, but never alone. Guys, God will send you people. His spirit will be with you to comfort you, but he will also send you the friends that you need, the people around you to encourage you and strengthen you. The problem is that so many of us don't put ourselves in an atmosphere where those kind of people are. We're at the club wondering why nobody's hanging out with us on Sunday morning at church. <laughs> Get out the club, right? I'm talking to y'all in the church, so this doesn't apply to you. But be careful who you surround yourself with. First Samuel 22, 2 Samuel 22.2, I love this. This is so cool. Starting in verse 1, So David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Soon his brothers and all his other relatives joined him there. Then others began coming. Men who were in trouble or in debt or who, just, who were just discontented until David was the captain of about 400 men. On the run, but never alone. Picture with me for a moment. David just got this holy bread, and he's hanging out in the cave, and he's by himself. But then his brothers show up. How many of you guys remember the story of David and Goliath? That his brothers hated him. See, something about the anointing and the presence of God in your life changes things. People will begin to see something different in your life. 
Jesus said they will know you by your fruit. And if there's no change in your life and you're walking with Jesus, then you need to take a step back and say, Jesus, I'm not really serving you. I just prayed a prayer one time. You see, David was going through a change in his life as he became the leader that God wanted him to be. And he sent to him his brothers, and he sent to him 400 men. I'm reminded of a story in Matthew chapter 9, verse 10, where it says that Jesus was surrounded by tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Men who were in trouble came to David. Men who were just discontented came to David. They were tired of the status quo and they knew something needed to change and David was going to be the change that God had appointed in that kingdom. They needed a reset in their lives. His brothers who mocked him were now standing shoulder to shoulder with him now to fight this battle. I want you to understand something. Don't you dare give up on your family. You keep praying for them. Don't you dare give up. When God is with you, you are never alone. Number three, on the run but never fearful. On the one but never, never fe- on the run but never fearful. First Samuel 21 we see that he goes to get this bread, but then he also gets something else. As he gets this bread and he's not hungry anymore, he knows he needs something else. The Bible tells us in verse 21, verse 9, as David is asking for a sword, in verse 21, 9, it says, I only have the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed. It's wrapped in a cloth. Take that if you want it. For there is nothing else here. (laughs) I hesitate to go down the rabbit trail of gun ownership. But I know that in the story, the priest didn't have a locker of guns or swords or spears. But it isn't interesting that David needed a weapon. And the very weapon that he got was the weapon that he already won. Whatever you're going through right now is the testimony to prepare you for the battles you'll face in the future. Somebody needs to know that. The sword of your victory yesterday is the weapon of your battle tomorrow. So don't look at your situation as something that God must have forgotten about you. Continue to fight the good fight of faith. Continue to be faithful to him, but also understand that God is not just preparing you to win this one. He's preparing you to win the next one too. David, the sword of the Philistine that you killed is back here. Take it. And it was his very weapon that he would continue to go and use in battle. It was more than a sword to David, it was a trophy. Better a reminder that no matter how big the enemy or the obstacle, the Lord, (laughs) the Lord 
can win the victory. In Psalm chapter 20, I love it, man. Lost my spot. There it is. Psalm chapter 20. I think of the song as I read this. This is how I fight my battles. In Psalm chapter 20, verse 6, it says, Now I know the Lord rescues his anointed king. He will answer him from his holy heaven and rescue him by his great power. Some nations boast of their chariots and their horses, but we boast in the name of the Lord our God. Those nations will fall down and collapse, but we, we will rise up and stand firm. Give victory to our King, O Lord. Answer our cry for help. You see, David knew that the battle was the Lord's, not just the battle in the with Goliath, but the battles he would face in the future. Romans chapter 12 tells us that vengeance is the Lord's. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Dear friends, you... Uh, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, listen guys, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their head. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Number four, on the run, but never forgotten. First Samuel chapter 25. I don't have time to read it, but I'll tell you what the story is. Samuel and his men are set up protecting an area of property who belonged to a man named Nabal. As they were set up there, they asked for provisions from Nabal. And he didn't do it. So what happened was, is Nabal denied them help, even though they had been working very hard to protect his land. His wife, Abigail, got word of this. The word kind of went like this. Hey, your husband Nabal's an idiot. You need to do something before we all die. That's the newest living translation. I don't know. <laughs> so she went to work. She made food, provisions, sent it out there with an apology. A few things that I took away from this, and, and the apology happened, and, and, and the provisions got there, and David decided that we won't take revenge, that we'll just let things lie. Now, this man, Nabal, he, he, he made a bad decision because he ended up dying the next day when he learned that David and his guys were upset. 
And it kind of feels a little bit like a Hallmark movie because at the end, Abigail marries David, but we won't talk about that part. <laughs> Here's the bottom line that I saw. Is that even though David felt rejected, felt slighted, felt abandoned, without, he, it was, he was thinking about his men. He was thinking about his army. He was thinking about all the people that were with him that were in the hundreds. Not, not just me. I, it's not just for me. It's for all the people that are with me. And even though he felt rejected, guess what God was doing? He could not see, but on the down low, God was working things out. Guys, if the Lord told you all of his business, your brain would pop. <laughs> I, I, I heard, a, I think it was Charles Stanley so many years ago, he, he, he said that God allows us to see just maybe one or two things that he's working on on our behalf. But we couldn't even begin to understand the hundreds of things that he's working on in the background. You see, we just kind of come moment to moment and see how all of these things work together for our good. We have no idea that that took a lot of planning, that took a lot of intentional effort and coordinating to bless you. So Abigail and the servant are having a conversation and David is, is in his camp thinking, how am I gonna feed these people? I'm fitting to go raid that place. <laughs> and yet God is providing what we cannot see, God is working. God remembers you and he remembers the people that you care for. In this story, we see God turning a no from Nabal, from an unrighteous man into a yes from Abigail, who actually paid attention to take care of the anointed one who was anointed to be king, King David, and then providing for him and the people with him. On the run, but never forgotten. David was on the run. He had great restraint. He could have killed King Saul twice. Both times he didn't. Why? Because that's not what God called him to do. Now, I don't know about you, but I would be in the position of his men that were saying, hey, King Saul is right there. You can go kill him right now. But like, yeah. Let me get the sword of Goliath. That'd be, right? But King David, even in his age, in his youth, he had the patience. I, I just can't believe it. I was going to put a, a, a number in, in there, like an age that has a lot of patience, but I, I refrain from that. Because the closer I get to y'all's age, y'all know who I'm talking about. They're going to Branson soon. <laughs> Listen, point is this. He could have made it happen twice. If the king's dead and he's anointed as king, it makes sense that he would become king, right? But how many of you guys understand or need to understand, we all need to know that God's timing is important. Because if we jump in there and God's timing is not set up correctly, then things go bad real fast. Look across the world stage. Timing right? Of pulling troops out is kind of, right? Are you with me? At the end of the day, timing 
is important. The only way we can know God's timing is to trust God with the outcome. The only way we can know God's timing is actually be in prayer and thoughtfulness and make sure that we're listening to his voice, not the voice of anybody else. Somebody around you may be saying, you should do this and you should do that. We should say, no. I'm going to seek what God wants me to do. Amen? Listen, I already know what I'm preaching next week. Normally, I, know, I mean, I know what I'm preaching in, into December. But anyway, next week, it's a little, I'm already excited about next week. Normally, that doesn't happen until like Friday when I say, hey, Greater Life Church, this is Andrew. I'm excited about... <laughs> Sorry. I noticed that all y'all stopped liking it too. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Just what are we doing? <laughs> Just tell me what we're doing. Okay. <laughs> Gosh. Derailed this thing. I'm counting the people in here. I know there's more than three likes in the room. <laughs> Telling y'all, you watch that video, let me know. Anyway, the Coke and Pepsi thing got so, forget it. <laughs> Talking about spiritual things here. Let me talk to you. I'll let you go. Um, today's message on the run. Take a deep breath especially now. What have I told you before? This is your little pastor's talk. Stop watching so much news. Please. Anxiety creeps in like a flood. And I don't care which news. Well, which news is okay? None of them. Just none of them. You want to be informed? I don't know. Pray. Read a newspaper. I think those are still out there. But at the end of the day, really, we're being consumed with the headlines of the day. And guess what? The headlines of the day does not change God's plan. <laughs> His plan was set in motion before the beginning of time. He knows what's coming tomorrow. And you and I can just trust that he's in control. Yeah? So, all that being said, I'm so thankful for what God is going to do in this moment, in this church, and in your life. And I encourage you, embrace that and be ready. Be ready for the Holy Spirit to move. What I believe, what I believe is coming is opportunity to truly break the back of the enemy. Not just in your life, but everywhere we go as representatives of the kingdom of God in the power of the name of Jesus. Amen? Bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you so much for your presence. What a great, great time we've had in your presence. Have your way. Do great and mighty things throughout our week. Help us, Lord, that, to know that you are in complete control and to trust you with the outcome. God, that when we rest as children of God, may we rest in peace and, and know that you're in control. With every head bowed and every eye closed at this time, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I haven't given my heart to Jesus Christ, I'd like to do that right now. If that's you, slip that hand up and slip it back down. I'm gonna pray for you right now, quickly. Anybody? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, by the testimony in the room, we're here today, we're believers. We know, God, that not only that you are real, but you are in control. So, Lord, raise up an army from this place 
to continue to do the, the good things that you've called us to do and to fight this fight. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, today was water baptism. Next week, we have the soaking. It's a worship night on Sunday night. We concentrate on spirit baptism. We concentrate on that and just being in the presence of the Lord. And that's next Sunday night. And uh, of course, next Sunday, we look forward to seeing you. Greater Life classes straight across. God bless you. Have a great day. And uh, we hope you have a great week. Thanks.